Guys, it's going to be a great episode today with uh, Cody Nelson of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. And I wanted to remind you guys that uh, Cody is offering, the Outdoorsman's is offering 10% off on all Outdoorsman's products if you call up and use the J. Scott Outdoors uh, promo code. Uh, also, I want to thank our two sponsors. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider. They've been our title sponsor since the beginning of this podcast. And this month, the Go Hunt Insider is giving away five Zeiss binoculars. Uh, they're actually five Zeiss Conquest 10 by 42 binoculars um, with the total value of $4,500. Um, all you have to do is be a insider member to be eligible for the drawing. All current insider members are automatically entered. Uh, there's only one entry per person per insider member. And you must join the insider by midnight of December 31st, 2015 Pacific Standard Time. And on January 1st, they're going to draw like they do every month at the beginning of the month. Uh, five winners and five alternates, and uh, you have three days to claim your prize. Now, keep in mind, GoHunt.com Insider has given away mule deer hunts. Uh, they've given away a coos deer hunt, uh, two spots, a coos deer hunt in Sonora, Mexico. That was the October giveaway. Uh, the, the, the coos deer hunt was uh, scheduled here with Jar Colburn and myself for the rut in this January 2016. They've given away doll sheep hunts. They've given away Kuyu sleeping bags, 10 Kuyu backpacks, all kinds of gear, uh, some rifles. Um, so all Go Hunt Insider members have a chance to win. Um, if you're not a Go Hunt Insider member, click on the blue Join Now button when you go to GoHunt.com forward slash Insider. Use the J. Scott promo code when you're signing up and GoHunt.com will automatically send you a $50 Kuyu gift card. As you know, Dar and I have been using Kuyu gear from the beginning and uh, we firmly believe that Kuyu is the best ultralight hunting gear out there and uh, we use all of their gear and have for many years so uh, go sign up for the go hunt insider you can check out their new filtering 2.0 uh, which is an awesome resource uh, you can actually search by state by species by unit and uh, check out all the different harvest statistics and any day now they're also going to be launching uh, the draw odds portion of the filtering 2.0 just in time for application season here across the West. And uh, from everything that I've been shown and told, uh, it's going to be the most sophisticated draw odds uh, program uh, that's available on the market. And so it will be even more of a great resource to be able to decide where you want to hunt, uh, which units, which animals, uh, etc. across the West. Uh, I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for their sponsorship of this podcast. Also, like to thank DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Uh, they make quality t-shirts and hats. They are hunters with, and they make all this gear with hunters in mind. Go check them out at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Uh, they have uh, an unbelievable um, a bunch of new products uh, coming out uh, 
I've been privy to see the the some of the new products coming out here in 2016, and it's going to be some awesome stuff. Um, use the J Scott promo code and automatically receive a 10% discount. Uh, but they are also running a holiday special, um, 25% off on all merchandise. So use the J Scott promo code and um, go uh, go check out DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Guys, this is going to be a great episode with Cody. We're going to talk about optics. We're going to talk about uh, December coos deer hunting. We're going to talk about Cody's uh, strip hunt that he just got off of, and it's always great having him. Uh, don't forget, 10% off on all Outdoorsman's products. Uh, give them a call. Uh, you, can, you can follow them on the web at outdoorsmans.com. Uh, you can also give them a ring at 1-800-291-8065. If you're local, you can call at 602-944-7121. Uh, guys, thanks for all your uh, all of your attention and uh, all of your comments. Uh, thank you for all your support of my podcast. Uh, if you'd like to send me a message, you can reach me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. I get emails every day. Uh, if you haven't, uh, please subscribe. Uh, you'll automatically uh, get uh, every episode when it's downloaded. And uh, also send me, a, send me an email if you guys are listening either through iTunes or uh, through Podbean or Stitcher. I, I kind of want to know. Uh, where you guys uh, listen to this uh, podcast. And uh, we are very, very close here to um, a million downloads. Uh, I started this podcast at the end of February of 2015 last year. And um, I'm thinking that we're going to easily eclipse the million downloads uh, by the time this podcast is one year old. Uh, that, that anniversary is coming up here in in uh, 60 days or so. So um, guys, there's a few guys left uh, out there hunting sheep in Arizona. Uh, the uh, December coos deer hunts have all kicked off and uh, guys are out uh, doing a bunch of archery deer hunting. Uh, we've obviously got January coming up where most of the units across uh, Arizona are going to be wide open for archery deer. And a um, bunch of us are going to be headed to Mexico coos deer hunting and mule deer hunting down in Sonora. So, um, guys, I want to, uh, just real quick, um, I was watching as I often do, uh, a TV show on ESPN E60 and, uh, it was about this little girl. Um, and I want to say it was like uh, Minnesota or Michigan or somewhere. And, and, um, she has MS and, um, she's a cross country runner and, uh, she would run these races in high school and at the end of the race, literally her coach would have to catch her right at the, at the uh, finish line uh, or else she'd just fall flat on her face. And, and she did this all four years in high school and um, she ended up being a state champion. Uh, she won all three. She won the inside, uh, I think it was the 3,200 meter. Uh, she won the cross country and she won another event. And um, man, what an unbelievable story that was and it just made me think about uh there's a lot of people that are less fortunate uh th than we are and that than I, that I, than I am and uh certainly when it comes to your health you never know when 
you know, you're going to face challenges. And this was just an inspiring story. Um, almost brought me to tears sitting in my chair on a Saturday morning, um, just watching the grit and determination from this girl. And I just wanted to encourage you guys out there, if you're going through um, some hardships, um, to look at the light at the end of the tunnel and know that uh, most of the time uh, pain is temporary. And, you know, in this little girl's case, obviously, uh, she's got something much more than, than something temporary. But uh, what a story of grit and determination. And I just thought I would share that with you. I'm sure some of you have seen that episode. And it just goes to show that when you put your mind to it uh, and, and, and you decide to be tough about something and that you can persevere through most anything. So I just want to encourage you guys this time of uh, our holiday season. And I and, uh, just want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Cody Nelson from the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. And uh, last time we talked to Cody, he was getting ready to go on his Arizona strip hunt. Uh, Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good, bud. Thanks for having me today, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last time we talked to you on the podcast, uh, you were preparing to go up to 13B on the Arizona strip and hunt mule deer. And um, how'd that go for you, buddy? You know what, bud? Uh, I, I actually, uh, I, I did good. I killed the buck on the eighth day and, and, uh, it, uh, it was a, a big old five by seven, about 29 inches wide, and the strip, uh, the strip certainly taught me a few lessons. Uh, I prepared for it, and I'm glad I did because uh, all the advice and everything that you know, the people that I have the, the fortune to talk to, uh, man, if I hadn't had the, the amount of fuel and and the, the, the supplies and and uh, and, and the, the mental fortitude to stay after it. Uh, we had, you know, we had six inches of snow, we had mud, we had rain, we had just about everything that, uh, that, that the strip could throw at you. So, uh, I broke a, a, a shock mount on my truck. Um, it just, everything that, that I think that, that, that they wanted to test me on, they tested me. And, uh, but we, sure. had, we had a great hunt and uh, I, I could not be happier. You know, it's an amazing place. It's hard to grasp the uh, vastness of it and how big it is. Um, uh, but once you get up there, you kind of realize, uh, how small we really are and how big that country is. And, um, it is, it yeah. is enormous, giant, awe inspiring country. And it's, it, it's a, a truly amazing place. And, uh, I, I was humbled to say the least. Absolutely. You know, today I want to talk about our our December coos deer hunts here in Arizona are kicking off all across the state and um, wanted to talk to you. I know you've spent a lot of time chasing coos deer and hunting coos deer and we've shared some camps together and, and uh, December is usually one of your favorite times to get out and look. And um, well, Jay, to be perfectly you know, honest with you, I'm actually having withdrawals right now. Um, because it, it, you know, I woke up early this morning and, and my bones and body were telling me that I should be somewhere sitting mm -hmm. glassing and, and I'm not. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm almost a little down in the mouth today just because I, I, I feel I should be out glassing and I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the nice things, Cody, about these, uh, December coos deer hunts, it's the last of the rifle coos deer hunts. We offer hunts in October and November and, uh, then the December hunts are the last ones, uh, and it's often called the rut hunt, quote unquote, the rut hunt. And um, 
we will get into that here in a bit. But first, I wanted to ask you, uh, from my perspective, one of the nice things about these December hunts is the fact that they are the longest of all the coos deer rifle seasons that we have. I believe it starts on December 11th and runs all the way to the end of December 31st. And so that ends up giving uh, quite a bit of time for guys to spend out there chasing coos deer. How much of a benefit do you think that long season is uh, rather than, say, some of the you know seven-day hunt structures that they have? You know, Jay, I, I think it gives a guy just a ton of opportunity. I mean, for me, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm married and, and, uh, and I have three children and you know, so I've got a life, and I, I obviously run and you know own the outdoorsmen's and, and do what we do here, and we're busy. And so the thing that I like most about this time of year is, is for me, the I love the weather and the cold, and 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 I love that that time of year. Um, but that hunt affords you to where you can put in a solid three, four, five days, and come take a break and go back. And 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 I know we'll talk about the rut here in a little bit, but I think what that what that longer hunt does for you it it allows you to there are just certain places that are going to rut at different times than others and it gives a guy a chance to move around and and kind of find spots that you know maybe where the deer are more active than others so I I, I love it just because it gives you more options and time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, speaking of the rut hunt, um, it's been my experience that. You know, in the central Arizona units, uh, you know, the, the 6As, the 22s, the 23s, even some of the upper ends of the 24, um, you know, maybe you'll get a little bit of, uh, you know, rut activity uh, before Christmas. But in general, uh, most of the rut activity is uh, from Christmas to New Year's. And I, I think, you know, as, as you go further south as well, um, down into the southern Arizona units, it seems as though uh, when I've been down there and the reports that I hear, you know, you really don't see a ton of mature buck rutting activity maybe till the last two or three days of the season. Yeah. Um, can you weigh in a little bit on that? Like, what have you seen and, well, and witnessed? First of all, everything that you just said pretty much, I mean, right to the T, I mean, it, it absolutely is the truth. Um, I think what Everybody has this notion that oh, it's a December rut hunt, and I think that that is com that for the most part is just not true. Um, now, um, I say that in the last two years that I've been in central units, I saw the heaviest and best rutting activity for me in the pocket that I was hunting in the first week of the hunt. Now, really interesting. Well, and let me back up and just tell you. If I was going to take this, you know, 15-day hunt, 18-day hunt, whatever the, you know, depending on the year, whatever it is, I would always bet on, and if I had to, to take the, uh, a week and take it off from work, I will always take the week off between Christmas and New Year's because I just, you, you start to, to um, uh, you know, the, the chances of being in a, in a rut, you know, hunt are far greater the farther you go into the hunt. And all I'm saying is, is that the pocket, the particular pockets that I was hunting, I had more rutting activity. Um, now, and you can get into the definitions of rut and what you're seeing. I'm talking about actual, you know, bucks chasing does, rutting and staying hard on 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 does, and and you know, watching does come through a pass and 
and keep watching that pass and have bucks, you know, nose to the ground right on their tail. So um, long story short, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, uh, again, I'll, I'll put all my time on that, that end of uh, end of December versus the beginning of December, but I've had really good fortune of seeing good rut activity in certain pockets in the early part of the hunt. Yeah, I mean, I for me, I think uh, one of the most important things early on in the hunt is if you we have a cold snap, kind of like what we're going to have yep. uh, this op- this opening weekend, and say the first week of the hunt. Um, I I think when you have those colder temperatures, uh, those deer tend to be on their feet uh, a little more uh, than normal. If it was you know 75 and bluebird. Uh, you know, I think they limit their activity, uh, you know, because it's hot. Uh, just like uh, if you watch your dog out in the backyard, uh, when it's cold, he's frisky and running around. And when it's hot, you know, they go find a shade tree and they lay there. Um, you, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that you saw quite a bit of rutting activity uh, early. Uh, I wonder how much of that is just one single doe that may be cycling early. Uh, or maybe it was, uh, you know, extra cold and, and, you know, the deer were just on their feet and, you know, trying to get into the mood a little bit, so to speak. Well, I think, Jay, what happens is, is again, why it's my favorite time of year is, you know, the, the deer are more active just naturally that time of year anyway. If they're not in the rut, they're kind of getting into that pre-rut. You know, they're, I mean, they're starting to, to move around more. Um, I, you know, it's just my favorite time of year. I mean, there's there's just a lot of deer in, you know, obviously certain pockets, and, and they're just starting to move more. Um, and I think by nature, you know, you got a good sunrise behind you, and you start, you know, seeing deer pop up, you know, on the horizon, you know, as the sun, you know, uh, uh, makes its way onto the mountain. And, and, you know, you just start seeing deer more, you know, move more often. And it's, uh, it, to me, it's in... in stark contrast to the August and September, you know, time period and the October hunts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cody, you bring up something uh, I wanted to just ask you a question on. Uh, so on these December hunts, uh, tell me your strategy at first light. Uh, where where do you want to be positioned and which side of the hill uh, will you find yourself looking at first? Bottom line is I always want the sunlit hills. Um, you know, w- w- you know, you can talk about certain things and or certain pockets and certain bucks that you're looking at, and yes, those things will dictate where we will be. Um, but almost always, if I'm just out scouting, like if I was out this morning, um, I know exactly where I'd be sitting, and it would be with my, you know, my back to the sun. And I would be looking at a very, you know, large, you know, uh, area so that I can see the, the, you know, the sun, you know, start working its way down the mountain. And, uh, and I just, I, I literally gland, you know, uh, 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 bracket myself so that I'm literally following the, the sun as it goes down left to right uh, as it uncovers okay. the, the mountain. For those um, out there listening that might, that, you know, might not have as much experience uh, coos deer, uh you, you and I are alike in that at first light on cold mornings I like to follow the sun line down and a lot of times those bucks will stay bedded until that sun hits them and sometimes it even takes them a little bit after the you know depending on the temperature 
the sun to hit them. So what I hear you saying, though, is you want to have the sun at your back and you want to have visually as bright uh, of a look as you possibly can, as much country as you can look at. And at that time of the hour, uh, when the sun is, when you're first catching light, are you scanning or are you going slow or are you go, you know, are you going scanning and going fast or going slow? I'm literally trying to follow the, the, you know, before, you know, when it's first light and when I say first light, it's, it's that nautical time. Um, it's that half hour before the actual sun rays start hitting the tips of the mountain. Um, I always have my little pockets and little places that I'm looking at because I've either seen deer there before or I know there's a buck that's living in that area. Um, but I will generally almost always use that half hour to kind of – I'm almost kind of scouting out, what, if, especially if I'm in a new spot, I'll use that time to kind of look and see, you know, the places that I just look at and, and instinctually think, you know what, if I was a deer, that's where I'd be or I like that, I, you know, this is an easy look. But as soon as that sun, as soon as that sun tip start, you know, like just hits the very first tip of a mountain, I literally will start following as as it allows more, uncovers more, you know, land, if you will, or territory in, in sunlit. I will literally, you know, pan back and forth. And to say slow, Jay, um, I don't know that I'm being extra slow. If I'm finding deer, I might slow down. But I always find, too, that a lot of these, you know, bucks or even does for that matter, when that sun hits them, they may not stand up right away, but generally speaking, when they do stand, they might even, I've seen deer stand there for 20 or 30 minutes and not really even move very much. They're just, they're trying to soak up as much sun as they can possibly soak up, you know, and get warm, so to speak. So um, I will kind of let the, you know, what I'm finding dictate um, you know, if I'm finding a lot, I'll, I'll kind of keep moving and kind of, you know, take a, a, an inventory, so to speak, because at that first light, uh, if you're doing it right, those deer will stand out like sore thumbs and, and, you know, use that sun against them. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things I want to point out too, um, while we're on it is I've seen it also when you get some of those mornings in, in, you know, where you're in in the teens or low 20s when it's extra cold, um, you know, you would think that there'd be a lot of activity right off the bat. They won't move. I've, those deer are so thin-skinned. I've seen it where sometimes 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock becomes the magical time where, you know, you can first hour and a half of light, uh, you know, this time of year it's getting uh, light, you know, around, you know, 7.30 or so where you can, you know, 7:15, 7:30, and sometimes it takes a good hour before the deer will even get up out of their bed. So I would encourage the listeners um, that don't be discouraged. Uh, you know, sometimes that first hour when it's extra, extra crispy out there, well, uh, Jay, we you know, they'll that. actually stay down. We, if you remember right, I think you and I and Dar and you know Cody Goff and you know we had that when we were in uh, in the. <laughs> I know you're gonna laugh when I say this the North camp, South camp days. And uh, there was some mornings there that those deer did not move until after nine or almost 10 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, you know, honestly, when it, when they get into that pattern, I never would, but you could actually not even show up to your point till nine o'clock yep. and probably see just as many deer. I mean, I can remember a couple of those mornings 
where, you know, I'd call over, hey, Cody, you got anything? Nothing. Dar, you got anything? Nothing. You know, John, you got anything? Nothing. And it's like, okay, that tells me that these deer are conserving their energy um, by laying down. And I actually think they they can stay warmer by staying, you know, bedded than, than up and moving around. Once the sun actually comes up and it's got some intensity to it, I think they feel like they can stand and that their body, the square inches of their body actually can soak up more, more heat by doing so. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh, now deer movement, um, you know, I, I think we could talk for hours on deer movement, but I, I think one of the things to point out is that, uh, you know, don't disregard deer movement during the day. Um, you know, I think personally, I think when the moon is full, I think the deer tend to move more right during the middle of the day. Agreed. Uh, then if it's if it's a dark moon like right you know December 11th is the dark moon of of December and and um, so I would bet that there's pretty good movement uh, you know the, the the first couple hours and the last couple hours but also I think on a full moon um, I think right during the middle of the day what I notice is that that moon is pretty full. Uh, and bright until a couple hours before the sun comes up and then so those deer are up all night then they bed down and they you know they lay till nine or ten o'clock in the morning um, and then they get up between you know say ten and two so I think that's important for as this hunt goes on uh, people need to be glassing uh, as much as they can during the middle of the day as well yeah I, I and I think in the in, in quote-unquote let's just call it this the rut and the pre-rut and, you know, into January, if there's ever a time to glass all day and stay hard at it, you know, and, and, and I'm more apt to stay put than move just because of that, the deer are in general, they're just more active during this time of year. So, um, you know, I, I always, uh, and again, with relationship to the moon and, whatnot on the full moons you know the, the the 10 to 2 time that's that's almost as good as the the golden hour of of when the sun's you know lighting up the side of the hill for the first light in the morning yeah for sure um cody as the hunt progresses and we get uh more towards christmas and more after christmas um is there anything as far as from a uh, tactical standpoint first thing in the morning that you do differently uh, when you know that those deer are going to be actively those bucks are going to be actively pursuing those does um, does does any strategy change um, you know what are you doing I, I, the only thing different you know you do in those times is the thing that you've got to be really careful at that time of year is if you see a buck and you see him rutting and he's actively moving and chasing, I'm just going to flat out tell anybody that's listening or cares to listen. My, my thought is the more time that you waste getting to him, the least chance that you're, that, that deer's going to be in the same spot. I, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it's very difficult uh you know, one of the one of the positives of of rutting and activity is those bucks are really moving across the hillsides, actively pursuing does, and you know they seem to be a lot more visible. But from a from a standpoint of trying to get in and position and uh, get a shot at those bucks, a lot of times they're moving so much 
by the you know say they're two canyons up and you can see them up there rutting around real good by the time you get up there they could be three canyons down chasing that same doe and um you know it's kind of a double-edged sword we hunt mexico and we try and hunt down there the best rutting dates are usually between about the you know 8th 9th of january till about the 25th and as further south you go you know obviously it goes back even later into february but um you know one of the challenges is those bucks are moving so hard uh that a lot of times you can see them but you can't get shots at them so that you know whereas hunting in october and november they don't move very much at all the the hard part is they're not on their feet very much right. and they they become difficult to find but if you do find them they're dead exactly well and i think the the only i, I guess the the second part of that is is that if you you know, like when when uh, when we killed, uh, I should we uh, when Cody shot his buck a couple years ago in 23. You know, we knew we we found those deer in the evening and they were rotten really good. And but I'll just flat out tell you, if we had tried to get from where we were to to where you know where we actually saw the deer to make a shot. It, it wouldn't have happened. Those deer, by the time we, you know, got to where we were going, they were already clear up on another face, and it, I mean, the, the, that stock would have been completely ruined. So what we did was, is we we saw them the night before, and we actually planned the next morning of, you know, wh- where the last point we saw them, and those deer at that point, they hadn't moved, you know, 300 yards. So I I just think that sometimes you got to if you can kind of anticipate where you kind of think they're going to be in the morning as to where they were the night before, or, you know, where they were in the morning and where they're going to be that evening, you know, that's the time to make those kind of big moves and, and, uh, uh, you know, to strategize that way. But I would just tell you that if, if you see a buck rotten and, you know, you, the time for what I want to call long range glassing I think you got to be more in them. You got to be closer to them, and you know you got to be able to make a fairly quick move to get in position to shoot, you know, and 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 make a good stock on them quick. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Cody, obviously, the Outdoorsman's is in the business of uh, selling optics, and um, uh, you know, uh, optics as good as anybody that I know, and and better than anybody I know, quite frankly. Um, I had a question the other day, uh, uh, someone uh, wrote in on an email uh, to me uh, asking about the 1250s versus the 15 by 56 Swarovskis, both of which I own, and both of which are are phenomenal glasses, Um, and I I tried to answer his question as best as possible. He wanted to know whether to use his 1250 ELs that he had purchased or his buddy had a pair of 15 by 56 that he would allow him to use. And my answer to him was, and he said he was, uh, you know, a fairly new coos deer hunter. And I said, you know, I would probably go with the 1250s uh, in that your field of view is wider and you're probably going to pick up a few more deer that maybe you would miss with a little bit narrower field of view in the 15s. it's always a constant dilemma for me having both pairs of those binoculars and they're both phenomenal. Um, in your mind, uh, which binocular Dar- do I mean, you, you know, think is, is it, better? It, it's funny, Jake, because Dar and I, you know, we've had this conversation and, and 
you know, we, we, we have a lot of fun with it. And I will tell you that, that for somebody new, um, you know, I mean, you know, the coos deer hunting, the glassing thing, you know, everybody's always like, Oh, I got to have 15s. And, and you know what? I, I, I I'm, I'm a, probably the wrong person to ask all the time because I get to use what I want when I want. But if I'm not out testing things and using different glass, then I'm not doing my job as a, you know, as a salesperson. So, but here's what I tell people. And this, it, to me, it's a, it's a fairly simple kind of equation, but it, it, this is what it comes down to. In a 1250, you basically have a 300 foot field of view at a thousand yards. Okay. On a 15, you have a field of view of about 234, I think, I think it's listed at 234 feet, you know. So you're basically talking about almost a third less field of view. Right. So I would always tell you that where I'm hunting would dictate what I need most. And so if if a guy's using 15s i'm willing to bet that he has a set of 8s or 10s around his neck so he can use his 8s and 10s when he's in the tighter spots and he needs the field of view and then he can turn around and and use the 15s when he needs the big look um the reverse side of that is is that you know a lot of people the the, the 15s are heavier they're you know they're longer they're big, i mean they're just a bigger piece of glass and I love the 1250 ELs because when I go to leave the truck and I'm not using the COAs or the, you know, my ATX or SDX 95 and, and I'm getting away from, from the truck and I'm going to be in a canyon, I almost always opt for the 1250s because I want that field of view. And I don't need to be as, as I, I'm not looking as long and as, as uh, I don't need that power. So there's about a 20% power difference between the 12s to the to, to the 15s, and so you know again I think you've heard me say this before, but you know anymore it's kind of getting to be like having a golf. You know I need a caddy because I'd like to look over and go well you know we're going to be in this canyon today. Hand me the 12s, and yeah. or we're going to be you know we're going to be a, a little bit longer range. Hand me the 15s, and really that you know that's kind of what it comes down to. And um, what I will tell you is is that the 1250 ELs, um, if I had to just pick one, I, I'd pick the 1250 ELs. They're yeah, lighter. I'm, they're I'm smaller. Kind of the same way. Yeah. They, they are absolutely a phenomenal piece of glass to look through. Um, I, I think I think to further that point, I think, you know, the 12s in my mind are the best all-around binocular in my mind for, quote-unquote, the Western hunter. Um you know, you've, you've got that wow factor. Yep. Um, you've got the wide field of view. It's just, you know, they're a little bit lighter than the 15s. Well, uh, and I think, you know, but on and Jay, you can handhold them if you, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not ideal, but if a guy has to handhold them, it's, it, it's head and shoulders above the 15s in that respect. Yeah. I mean, my hands have a little shake to them and I cannot handhold 15s at all. And the 12s, uh, I can handhold them a little bit. Certainly not as good as my 10 ELs, but um, the 12s are certainly a binocular that, uh, you know, it's hard for me. Uh, I, I switch them in and out um, between the 15s and the 12s. Uh, if, if I'm going where I think I'm going to be really picking things apart, I go with the 15s. If I'm 
up on a spot where I've got some open yellow grass and coos deer country and really want to do a lot of panning. Uh, the 12s are my choice, and it, it's a great choice to have. Um, uh, you obviously carry a wide range of optics there at the Outdoorsman's. Um, one thing we always talk about is tripods and why glassing off of a tripod is so important. You know, I think until people come hunt coos deer, they don't realize the importance of a tripod because those deer a lot of times stand so motionless and they can be standing, you know, head on or just a slightly quartered angle. And um, if you're just panning and have a little bit of vibration in your hand, a lot of times you won't pick them out. I mean, how many times even off a tripod are you looking in your field of view and then they move their head and they've been standing there the whole time? And, Jay, you know, I think that shows... How many times have you been with a, a client or somebody that's kind of new and you're, you, you've literally got a deer in an open, not, not quite, I mean, there's some brush, but an open setting and all that deer does is stick his head down in the grass to eat on something and the guy yeah, next to you him. will go, Where, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Yeah. And, yeah. and you're like, and, and, you know, being seasoned, you're, you're like, hey, just stay on it. Don't lose it. Stay right with him. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, he just put his head down. He just, he, you know, I mean, they, they see him pick his head up, and they're like, oh, my God. I mean, people yeah. are, are amazed at how fast those deer disappear. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, especially coos deer. And uh, one thing I will ask you is, you know, you run into people obviously at the shows and all sorts of stuff, and a lot of them haven't hunted coos deer. And I'm sure you get the question of why do you like those little deer? What's your answer? Um, quite simply, and, and Jay, I'm going to say this too because I just came off the strip. hadn't hadn't tried to draw a mule deer tag in 23 years. Um, I've now hunted mule deer uh, successfully. Um, I, I feel fortunate to do so, um, and I was in, I, I was humbled to just how big and giant those mule deer are, and and how easy they move around that big country, and and I my hats off to all the guys that that that's their passion and that's what they want to do. But I'm sorry when I look at a coos deer and I watch them moving through the country. There is just, I think they're the most beautiful, um, alert. I mean, I just think they're, they're just different how they act. Um, I love watching them, you know, methodically move across a, a, a face. And I, I just, I'm, I, I've, ever since I started hunting them in the late, uh, 80s, I've, they, I've, I just can't get over hunting them. I just, I think they're the, the, the the most beautiful and, and funnest animal to hunt that I can I, I can that I've come up with so far. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Um, you know, and it, it, for me, you kind of forget about it. On you know, hunting elk and hunting sheep and hunting mule deer and all these different animals, and then coos deer season hits and you're out there glassing coos and you're like, ah, I feel like I'm at home. And um, you know, they're just an unbelievable animal. Um, Cody, I know you're busy. Uh, how's your um, uh, shopping season going? How are the sales going down there at the outdoors? You know how's what? Business? I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm humbled um, to say the least. We have had a really good 
we had a great summer. We had a great fall. Um, and I am humbled to say the least at the, uh, you know, just the sheer, um, loyalty of our customers. Um, we, we've just had a really good, you know, fall and we're having a great winter. We're ha- we're going right into the Christmas season, very strong. Um, very pleased to, to end a year this way. And, and, you know, we've got shows coming up this year. We're going to be in, in Salt Lake, or I'm sorry, we're going to be at, uh, in Reno for the wild sheep show. Uh, we will be at, uh, in Vegas for the SCI show. And then again, we'll be at, uh, Salt Lake city for the Western hunter conservation. I couldn't, uh, as a business owner and, and partner, um, I could not be happier with the way things have been going uh, this uh, this last year. It, it has been a fantastic uh, run, and I, I guess I, it just my hats off, and my thanks, and uh, our team just really appreciates the uh, the loyalty shown to our customers. Well, and uh, you know the reputation around too is that you can call down to the outdoorsmen's and and you get people that are out in the field and that can relate to the person on the phone and. You know, I I think that's huge, and I think when people realize that, you know, they can trust you guys as hunters and that you use the equipment and you know it better than anybody, um, I think that's why you guys have done so well. Um, I want to thank you for being on this morning. Uh, I know you've got uh, customers to help this morning, and I just want to thank you for that, and and, uh, it was fun talking coos deer. and it's always a pleasure having you on. Jay, I just, uh, as always, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to get the word out. And, and I know you're a big outdoorsman supporter, and, and you don't know how much that means to me and the team here at the shop. We, we can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Absolutely. And uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, let the listeners know how they can reach you, um, both through the uh, web and uh, on the phone. So would you do that now, please? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the 1-800 number, it's one 800 Two nine one eight zero six five, or you can uh, you can shop online at outdoorsmans.com, and uh, if you have any questions or you know anything for us, we'll be more than happy to help you out, and uh, we just appreciate it. Happy holidays to everybody, and Jay again, thank you for the opportunity. All right, buddy. God bless you, and uh, I'll see you down the road. And uh, thanks for being on. Yep. Talk to you soon, bud. Thank you.